0: Our scripture this morning is from Luke, chapter 22, verses 47 through 53. And While he was still speaking, the crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw that what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike him with our swords? Lord, fifty of one of them struck the servant on the high priest, cutting off his right ear. <clears throat> but Jesus answered, No more of you do this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the high temple guard, and the elders who had come with him, I am leading the rebellion. You have, come to, you have come with swords and clubs. Every day I was here one of you with, with, as one of you at the temple, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is the, honor when, well, this is the hour when darkness reigns.
1: One of the most encouraging and just coolest things that I ever encountered was when I was about 10 years old, my parents took our family to Washington, D.C., and we visited the tomb of the unknown soldier. And this tomb marks a soldier from many of the different Battles that the United States has fought in who's come home and they, they, obviously they don't know who that soldier is. And I just remember the discipline of the young Marines that walk back and forth is just so touching. And, and it's something that I've remembered very clearly the rest of my life leading up till now. And, and we do that, uh, in our life. We mark, uh, our heroes. Some of those we know, and in the case of the unknown soldier, some of those we don't. The inspiration for this lesson today comes about three weeks ago. Um, I was attending the funeral of Jack Phillips, uh, Ted Phillips' father, the grandfather of, of many in this room. And the family, I thought, did an absolute awesome job of describing Jack's life and especially his service to our country, he uh, he served in a tank division that fought in World War II in the European theater. And while Jack uh, didn't earn the honor that I'm going to talk about today, it sounds to me as though he could have. And as I thought about his service to the country, I thought about the service of others to the country, like my grandfather who fought in the Philippines and then in Germany and then in the Korean conflict to follow later in his life. I thought about Jeanette's uncle, H.C. Cross, who who served in the Green Beret in Vietnam. I thought I think today about people like Michael Keenan, the husband of Jamie Pulse Keenan, who many of us pray for each and every week as he uh, he serves in special forces in our armed forces today. Many of the stories and the things I think about with these men may may have at some point um, uh, uh, earned them decoration Today, I want to speak about a decoration that our country gives to some of our, our veterans, and it's the Purple Heart Award. And it's an award that the United States military decorates those who are wounded and killed while serving our nation. The award's given to a hero, whether living or fallen, and the award is given to mark bravery and selflessness and sacrifice. Inspiration for this lesson. Uh, is is given to me today by heroes of battle. Now, I bring all this up because I want to parallel it to something. I think God offers an equivalent in spirituality to what we call the Purple Heart award. And our the spiritual Purple Heart this morning that I want to talk about is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Uh those of us who are the uh, Uh, of the church of Christ will know this scripture probably well. It's one of the first ones we're taught to uh, memorize in our baptism classes. But I want to revisit this today. I want to put the setting in place. Peter stands before a crowd of devout Jews and he begins to preach to preach to them filled with the Holy Spirit. And he talks to them about the warfare that they've been engaged in, the spiritual warfare that they've been engaged in. And he brings them to a realization of the wounds and the scars that have been caused by Satan because they've been connected to evil. They're the ones that were responsible for handing Jesus over to be crucified. And many of these men and women, as they listened to what had happened that day, they become very convicted about about these wounds, about these 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 things that have damaged them spiritually, and they come to the question to Peter of what should we do. We're convicted. We know we're separate from God. We know that this spiritual battle's not been going so well. But what do we do about it? And Peter offers these words in Acts chapter two and verse thirty-eight. He says. Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is a gift given to those who believe, those who come to the conclusion that they've been in the midst of spiritual battle, And they can go no further toward victory without God's help. And God gives us this gift to recognize those that have been there and to not allow those wounds and those scars to cause death, but instead to lead them to life, to eternal life. What it means to believe is to pursue this eternal life. I want us to consider a story in Luke chapter 15. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15 together. Jesus teaches a parable in Luke 15 about the lost son. And really, this story is about two sons. It's about the younger son and the older son. But for the, for the, for the betterment of our lesson today, for the cause of this lesson today, I want to focus particularly on the younger son. Jesus shares with us the story of a younger son that takes his inheritance and he runs off and he lives life with it. And he lives life without much spiritual care. In fact, he lives life to the point that he suddenly finds himself in an evaluation period where he says, you know what? I'm broke. I'm beat up. I'm so far away from my father and my values and my family. I don't know what to do. And he makes a decision in that moment to become convicted about where he's at. Now, just for the for the sake of of the uh, the story today, let's think about what that means. He's looking at himself and saying, you know what? I've lived life. I've lived life and here I here I sit with the scars and the bruises and the damage done by that life. And what does he do? And I want us to particularly look at verse 18. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He's brought to his knees. By the battle, by the war, but he realizes where he needs to go and he seeks going back to his father. And and as we read the rest of the story, we know what does the father do? He runs out with a ring and a robe and he marks the son. He gives His Son a place of honor in His return. He doesn't chastise Him. He doesn't allow Him to, to waller in it, but He lifts Him up out of it. And this is the gift that God makes, av- makes available to us today. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's our spiritual purple heart that God wants to give to us. And, and the question I have today for all of us is one... If that gift has been given to us, what are we doing with it? What are we allowing God to do through us as he is in us? If you're seeking here today, then what I want to ask you is, are you at that point where you can stop in life and take a look at yourself and know what the scars and the wounds represent? Can you allow those scars and wounds to lead you to eternal life through Jesus Christ as opposed to leading you to death through continued sin? God wants to give you your spiritual purple heart. He wants to recognize you for the valor of spiritual combat and lift you up out of that. That is his true desire. Like the Purple Heart Award honors bravery and selflessness and sacrifice in the lines of combat, the Holy Spirit marks those who have wounds and scars of spiritual battle and are now willing to be brave, selfless, and sacrificial to follow Jesus. Let's look together at Romans 6, 1 through 4. I'd like to read. Romans 6, 1 through four it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too... May live a new life. Sin has wounded every person in this room at one time or another. Romans teaches us that the book, the holy word of God teaches us that there is not one of us in here that do that, that is without a scar from sin. It's wounded all of us. But my thought this morning is, is that while sin leads to death, Christ leads the wounded to life. That there's but one choice when you come to that point and you're beat up and you're wounded and you've been to battle and you fought the good fight, but you've come to realize this is not working on my own. There's but one choice, and that's Jesus Christ. And Scripture makes that so very clear to us. Now, here's the power Found in this spiritual purple heart. And if if there was one thing that I ask you to walk away from today, it's it's an understanding of this. Look at Romans eight in verse eleven. Romans eight in verse eleven, the Bible. (laughs) This is something we have to hold on to church. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This is the perspective of this statement. How many of you think that the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest one of the greatest miracles of all times? Could we agree on that? Because the Gospel doesn't mean anything without the resurrection. Amen? And we will teach teach that as the greatest miracle of all times. Well, here's what the Roman writer says. The Roman writer says that the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead is what lives in us. What a gift! What a spiritual purple heart! What a way for God to mark us for Him! Do we seize that, though? Do we understand that? Do we teach that as the power that's available to people who are seeking God? Church, almost every day, people visit here and they walk in the door and they're wounded. They're wounded. They're poor. They're in need. They're hurt. They've been hurt by society. They've been hurt by life. They've had loved ones who have hurt them. They're broken. And I can almost always, almost always guarantee that the true cure, the true remedy is not to solve the problem they walk in the door with. The true remedy found in the Holy Spirit. It's found in that, you know, it's found in the ability to give them a purple heart, a spiritual purple heart for that scar. But to lead them to Jesus. Because that's 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 the that's the antidote. That's the fix. And God makes this available and it's the same power that raised Jesus. From the dead. That's available to us. Every Purple Heart comes with a story to be shared and honored as heroism, sacrifice, and selfless bravery in life or death circumstances. They give these awards and it always comes with a story. I always think of the movie Forrest Gump when I think about this and uh, his injury in the line of battle. Um, And it's kind of a funny story. If you haven't seen Forrest Gump, I encourage you to go find a little bit about that story. I'm not going to talk about where he got shot or anything, but he uh, he received his Purple Heart Award. Consider the story found in Luke 22 that Jerome read to us. Let's consider that for just a minute. Jesus is coming out of the garden and he's being handed over. To be crucified, to be killed, right? And so these soldiers come up and they're getting ready to arrest Jesus. And Peter pulls out his sword and he strikes the ear of Malchus and he severs the ear of Malchus. Now, I want you to imagine in that very moment, because we read all the Gospels and we know if we read all the Gospels, that Jesus in that moment could have called a legion of angels and this battle is over. This battle is done. But that's not Jesus's reaction, is it? What does Jesus do? He reaches out and he heals the ear of Malthus. I got this huge scar on my leg, right? It's not going to go away. In fact, I used to tease Preston because I go to a school and I tell all the kids I got bit by a shark while swimming in the ocean. You know what that scar reminds me of? Cancer. But even beyond cancer, it reminds me of the day that I realized I wasn't with Jesus. If cancer took my life, I was truly going to die. But that scar doesn't own me now. Jesus owns me. And your scar that you have in your life from life doesn't have to own you anymore. Jesus can own you. You have to make that choice. You have to decide today if that's what's right. in church, if you have scars like I do, but you've been given this spiritual purple heart, the Holy Spirit, then it's time to claim the power that comes along with it. It's time to claim the power for healing. It's time to claim the power for, for all the different things that, that God will do for us and through us. And it's, begin, it's beginning to embrace that story that comes along with it. I'm going to close With this thought, what do you think Malchus's story was? When some little kid came up and said, Malchus, what's that scar on the back of your head? Why don't you have any hair that grows there? You think that became part of his testimony? You think when the story ended, when the tomb was empty? And Malchus saw that Jesus reaching out his hand and healing his ear. You don't think that became a part of Malchus' testimony? Now, I can't support this with Scripture, but what about for you? What would that scar mean to you? It would become your story and you would share that story with your family and with your friends and with everybody you could. And you would tell them that that same spirit that raised that man from the dead is the same spirit that would live inside you eventually. And you would share it and you would make sure that everyone knew that. And there's two audiences I want us to think about today. First, I want to look at Philemon. Verses four through seven. Paul gives thanksgiving to God for Philemon in these verses. And I just want to share it. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, Have refreshed the hearts of the saints. You know, he's he's talking to Philemon, who is a slave owner, and he's getting ready to deal with a slave that has escaped and come back in Onesimus. And he's telling him, there are some adults in your midst that I want to encourage you to continue to share your faith in a way that lifts others up and that understands that they belong to Jesus as well. We have an audience of adults that we can share our faith with. All of us, whether those people are seeking people or whether they've already sought after God and are part of God, we all need lifted up a time or not. Amen. Anybody ever go time without just needing some encouragement in your faith? No, we always need to be encouraging one another. We always need to be lifting one another up. And God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, your spiritual purple heart to do that. There's a second group this morning that I think Jesus identifies best with in Mark, the 10th chapter. And I'm going to leave us with this thought this morning. I'm going to try to stay inside my box. Plus, it's hot up here in this jacket. (laughs) That's the way to get me to preach less is make me wear a jacket. Not that they made me wear a jacket. My wife made me wear a jacket. People were bringing little children in Mark 10, starting in verse 13, to Jesus to have him touch them. And his disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he became indignant. And Jesus loves kids. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He loves little children's innocence. (laughs) The most awesome Part of every day is sitting in the office and hearing the kids sing in their chapel. And I was sharing that story with a lady who started bringing her child to the preschool this week. And I, I just shared with her, I said, man, that's the most awesome part of my day. Not so much when they're talking and being chattery, though, against the teachers. will. I'd much rather hear their voice than Jane's voice. That's not so Spiritual. This kid, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. Now, what I'm about to say, I want to make very clear. I'm not saying this to shame us, to guilt us, to do anything. In fact, if shame or guilt was the reason you would decide to do this, I'd rather you not do it. Okay that preface enough for everybody? But in our children's classes, we struggle to find people who will go down and share their spiritual purple hearts. We struggle to find people who will go down and share their story and share Jesus's story and share how Jesus works through them. Well, well, in in some cases, it's in our nursery. In some cases, it's in our preschool. In some cases, it's in our Bible adventure land. And, And this is not unique to our congregation. This is becoming more and more acceptable in our culture that somehow our children are going to learn this stuff by osmosis. There was a lady in Indiana. Her name was Miss Margaret. Miss Margaret never had children. Miss Margaret is now probably mid-fifties. She taught Bible class to our children every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, Miss Margaret was there. Now, she did some crazy stuff, like gave our kids cheese puffs and stuff. And so they come, come into the worship setting with like orange stuff all over them. And it drove the moms crazy. But the moms put up with the cheese puffs because our children were learning about Jesus from a lady who didn't do it because she was shamed into it and didn't do it because she was guilty. She did it because she loved those children. And she knew Jesus said that they were the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he encouraged people like her to share their spiritual purple hearts with the children. Bible Adventure Land Corner, raise your hands real quick for me. Just raise your hands. Got one over here. Take a look around one back here. If your spirit is crying out to help with this, if these words have encouraged you in any way, shape or form, which now may be a measurement of my ministry, elders. If these words have encouraged you in any way to serve God in this capacity, see one of these ladies. They're going to equip you, they're going to pray for you, they're going to support you. they're going to help you share your spiritual purple heart with our children. I got one guy I asked in here some time back if maybe he'd teach a class and he's still been running from me a little bit, but I'm gonna chase him down. And I'm going to continue to equip him and encourage him because I think he's got a heart that God wants him to share. And now I got all of you thinking around the room. I wonder who that is, man. I got to run. Our lives and trials and difficulties that we experience, they create wounds. Church, Satan creates wounds in our lives. He just does. When we're doing spiritual battle, we're going to come out of it with scars and scrapes. But we cannot let those scars and scrapes own us. We can be saved and washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. We'll still have those scars. It's part of our story. But God will reward us our spiritual equivalent of a purple heart and say, I identify with your battle. I identify with your wounds. But you are healed. You are saved. And I want you to take the story that comes with this award and I want you to go share it. And I want you to create with it. Tomorrow's heroes. Tomorrow's spiritual victors, tomorrow's conquerors. And this is the power of the Spirit that is found in us. This morning, if you have come here seeking, there is an offer from God, an award, if you will. That will acknowledge the warfare you've already fought. That will acknowledge the wounds and the scars that you come here with in spiritual battle. But will not allow those things to own you anymore or ever again. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as Acts 2.38 taught us this morning, it is given to you when you're baptized. God wants to give you that award this morning. And if you come here this morning as brother or sister in Christ and you feel like that that award has kind of it's gotten on the shelf and it's gotten behind the books and nobody can see it anymore then let's blow the dust off of it today let's pray together let's encourage one another because we have a world out there that needs to know this message that needs to know the power that's available to them to be healed from these scars and wounds in the holy spirit please today let your need be known as we stand and as we sing.